0: Take your Bibles now and open up to Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. We try and cover a lot of ground here on Sunday mornings. We call this the air war. There's a lot of info going out, a lot of ground we're covering. Today we're hoping to cover all of chapter 3. It's like 30 some verses. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. But I'm going to say one quick prayer over Judges 3 as we navigate through God's word. And I'll just actually, before I do that, I got one more thing I just need to do this. It's a one minute video because I want to highlight what happened on Thursday. The day of national prayer happened and we prayed for an hour at the church offices. Almost under 20 people, 18 people showed up and we prayed. And then I just heard, hey, there's a, a spontaneous gathering at the South Beach Christian School National Day of Prayer. And they said, Pastor Luke, can you be there for that? I said, absolutely, I'll be there for that. And what we did was, is we allowed for all the kids. Pastor Paul led us in prayer, he kicked it off and then he said, if any kids want to pray, raise your hand. And about half the student body raised their hands. Little preschoolers, kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, ninth graders, tenth graders, all of them just raised their hand. And so Pastor Paul took the time with his microphone and went around and let these kids pray. It was such a powerful time. I'm going to show you just a one minute. Go ahead and play that video while I'm talking, Dave. My daughter edited this down last night. This is the prayer time this last Thursday. that prayed. Now, most of you guys know that our school is located at the Newport Christian Church over there on Highway 20, and we've got a lease with them this year, and we re extended that lease for next year as our school is not going to have another place to meet. And one of the common prayers, the most common prayers from all the kids as they prayed with the microphone, hearing their voice for the first time amplified, was Lord, thank you for this school and for the freedom to pray, the freedom to learn about you, the freedom to worship you. Our kids know and understand that there's a battle going on right now, and to create environments like that or environments environments like this is a special thing. It is a real deal to celebrate and to not take for granted. So guys, keep praying for the school. Keep supporting in that way. Thank you so much for all of your support. We'll have some numbers at the end of the year to let you know what happened at the school. But as I mentioned, take your Bible down, Judges chapter 3, and let me ask a question. How many guys have ever had a blowout in your tire before you're driving down the freeway? Just a blowout, man, just crazy. I've never had a. How many guys have ever had a flat tire though on your bike or your wheelbarrow? Or your, most of us have had a flat tire over our life before. I've never had a blowout where it just goes crazy, but I have for sure had all of my tires go, dr- go down over time. All of my tires need a little bit of inflating, and I would like to suggest that that's kind of how it is in most of our lives spiritually. That most of us probably aren't headed for a blowout spiritually, a blowout maritally, a blowout ministerially. Most of us aren't. Some have, and we know those stories, and they're, man, tragic when that happens. But most of us, I'll say it differently, all of us have a proclivity to the air in our spiritual tires just kind of leaking out, kind of needing some increase in pressure Needing to have some attention given to it. And what we're studying in the book of Judges is what we're going to call a slow leak that does lead to a blowout. An atrophy of commitment. An inclusion of compromise. The tests continue to come to the children of Israel. And in every one of those tests, they do good for a little bit. But they also fail and flounder most of the time. How many guys are starting to realize in your journey as a Christian, you're being tested constantly. It'll never end. How many guys, when you got saved, you said, awesome. I'm going to heaven. The test is over. You know what I'm saying? No, no. No, no. As a matter of fact, when you became a Christian, you were issued a helmet, and you were issued a sword, and you were issued a shield, and you were issued shoes, their boots and you. "Oh, it's go time. What's happening? It's a battle. And it's a test. And here's what we're going to do in chapter 3. We're going to learn from three judges. Othniel, and we're going to learn from Ehud, and we're going to learn from Shamgar. These are the first three judges given to the children of Israel 3,500 years ago as they led the children of Israel through their exploits, through their battles and challenges. These three judges are great and honorable judges. Othniel, remember him? His name means lion of God. Ehud, brand new character. His name means I will praise. And then we have Shamgar. I don't know what his name means. Maybe it's ShamWow, ShamGar, ShamGar. He's just a normal guy. He actually gets one verse in all of the Bible, and yet he was a judge and a deliverer of Israel. And our hope is, is in your test and in my test to find out what in the world's going on. Maybe right now you're being tested so much and you're trying to find out whose fault it is. It's the person I married. It's the person we live next to. It's the country we're in. It's the boss that I have. It's the employees I have. It's the kids you gave me. It's this that's going. Why is ha- this happening? We try and find so often who done it. Let me just tune you in. It's not necessarily who done it. That's not necessarily the forensics questions we should be asking. The real question is, is, Lord, why am I being tested? Are you trying to show me something about myself? Most often, more often, that's the case. Lord, are you trying to show other people about you? Maybe the test you're going through right now is so other people can know Jesus Christ through your life. Man, that brings some valor to the test you're going through, some value. Or maybe it's not just so you would know what's going on with you or others would know what's going on with God, but that you would know what's going on with God. I like to believe that I'm a pretty solid believer, that I'm pretty lock, stock, and barrel. I got a pretty deep root system, and I'm working on my fruit system all the time. But there are more things about God that I don't yet understand or apprehend. They're not yet mine because I haven't been tested in the forges of life. I believe them two-dimensionally. I read them and I would agree theologically. Of course God is sovereign. Of course God is good. Of course God is faithful. And then you would look at my life and say, then why are you doing all these things you're doing? Why are you saying all these things you're saying? Why are you thinking all these things you're thinking? Well, I'm being tested. I'm being tested. The test will never stop. My pastor said it this way. When you pass the test, the test will pass, right? But there's a test right after that one too. The tests just keep coming. As a matter of fact, let me just make sure you don't think I'm making this up. Read verses one through four of chapter three of the book. of judges with me. It says, now these are the nations which the Lord left. What? The bad guys. Why? That he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only said that, verse 2, the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, these are the ones he left, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know, listen, specifically, namely, pointedly, To know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord. Which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Stop right there eyes up here. Interesting portion of scripture. The children of Israel are in the promised land. God promised it to them. He gave it to them. When God gives you good gifts you receive them. Yes. And then as they looked around there were Hivites and Canaanites. And five Philistine lords and all these bad guys. And the writer of the book of Judges says specifically. Oh yeah there's two reasons. To test them and to teach them to test them and to teach them, to test them and to see what's going on in their hearts. To test them so they would know who God is or so the world would know through these tests. Yesterday I was watching the Loyalty Days Parade. I don't know if you guys saw the Loyalty Days Parade. It was so cool. The wind was only blowing 600 miles an hour. So it was, it was super enjoyable. You know, I saw kids blowing the wrong direction, you know, and marching bands, losing hats. And, Anyways, great parade. And while I was at the parade, Raymond, Raymond, he's the leader of the Salvation Army here in town. He saw me and came and said hi. And he said, hey, Luke, I just got word on Wednesday. They're shipping me out at the end of May to Anchorage, Alaska. And as he made this announcement, you could tell he was wrestling with it. I said, do you you have a say in your denomination? He said, no, they're just shipping me out, man. I was hoping to stay here. And I was able to smile and say, Raymond, you're a man of God. He's going to be faithful to you. He's going to replace you here, and he's going to meet you there. I said, Raymond, right now you're being tested. You're just being tested And he began to sense that he can do this. And when you pass the test, the test will pass. You guys, I guys, we guys, we're being tested right now by the things in our life. And so often we just want to find out, well, what's going on? And who's guilty? And where's the person I should blame? And how can I alleviate the situation? And God says, no, don't try and fix the fix you're in. Have You ever tried to fix the fix you're in? Only to find out that God gave you the fix you're in to fix you? And when you fix the fix you're in, then God has to send another fix to fix the fix that he sent to fix you. What? Anyways, fix that in the editing, would you, Esai? (laughs) Guys, a couple thoughts here. I've got so much to say, and I want to just keep going, so I just want to make these two points at least obvious to you. In the tests you're in right now, not only is he testing you, but he's teaching you things. He said he wanted the next generation that hadn't known war to learn war. That sounds kind of crazy. You know why he wanted them to learn war? Because they're at war. It's never going to end. Now I'm all for peace and love and puppy dogs and rainbows and daisies. I love it. But the reality is you're in a spiritual war. I'm in a spiritual war. And that war's not going to end <gasps> until we take our last breath. There's a race to run. Why are you going through so many things you're going through? Why are there difficulties in your marriage or in your business or in your ministry? You said yes to the Lord. You thought it was going to be easy, but instead just one test after another. It's because the Lord wants you to be a spiritual warrior. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to know what in the heck is going on. Now, when you realize this, oh, you mean so it's not so much about the details and the timelines and the it and the woulda, shoulda, couldas. It has nothing really to do with that, but as much as God's testing me. He's just seeing what I'm going to do. He wants me to see what I do. Ooh, that's a sad day. When the test reveals something in your fabric of your character. Oh, did that come out? Did I do that? You know, and you realize I'm a work in progress. Or that the Lord is teaching you warfare and to be a spiritual warrior. So wouldn't it be awesome? If instead of getting mad at your spouse or mad at your ministry partners or mad at your community or mad at your government, local or national, instead of all those things, which are, I would say, distractions from really what God is trying to teach you and me, Lord, test me. Lord, make me a better man. Make me a better woman. Lord, show me. Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. Isn't that a scary prayer? I don't want to say I hate that prayer, but I hate that prayer. Lord, search me and see if there's any wicked way. He's like, dude, I know you're going to find some stuff. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is what God's doing here. He's testing. This is, by the way, not new. Okay, the oldest book ever written is the book of Job. Job is older. It precedes Genesis, not by way of timeline, but it's oldest book, the oldest recorded book. And did you know that Job is just one big test? Satan actually went and complained about Job, and God said, hey, I got a suggestion. Let's test him. Let's see what he does. And they went ahead and put the test out there for Job's life to see if Job would indeed sin or if he would stay the course in the worst series of unfortunate events ever. It's a test. Then you can go to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. When God created Adam and Eve and he had them in the garden. he says, hey, let's create everything good for them. Let's put one tree in the middle. Why? To test them. To test their hearts. Also, listen, to test me. What am I going to do in the day that they eat of it? I'm going to be a man of my word. I'm also gonna be a man, a God of grace and kindness and compassion. Guys, don't be afraid of the tests you're going through. Is this some strange thing we're happening to quote Peter, James, Paul, and John in the various trials that we find ourselves in and instead say, Lord, have your way. Reveal in me the stuff. Show me and be kind to me. Lead me in the way everlasting. It's not new. This has been going on forever. And I'll tell you what, God's gonna use you powerfully in the days to come. As you open up your heart and say, Lord, just have your way. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, because you're sovereign over all things. You're sovereign over these nations. You're sovereign over our government. You're sovereign over my spouse. You're sovereign. I'm just going to simply do the next right thing. Well, that's what's happening here. He lists those guys and gals. He tells us that he's testing them in this way. But the thing we learned a couple weeks ago in the book of Judges, if you're writing this down, the children of Israel started out on a great day worshiping God great day. Such a good day, communion Sunday. Yeah, you know, committed to the Lord. Then they found themselves wooed and swayed by sin and compromise and lukewarmness. And they began to walk away from the Lord. That's step two. Then in step three, they found themselves going all into the ways of the world and carnality and chaos. That's step three, enslaved by sin. Then step four, they found themselves broken by sin, devastated in their lives. And then finally step five, they cried out to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He saved them. He delivered them. He restored them. The subtitle of the book of Judges, this study, is Stories of Failures and Forgiveness. Lived by Luke forchette That sounds like my life, man. You know, stories of failures and forgiveness. And as we're learning this now, they start there. They're being tested. Join me now in verse 5. Let's see how they uh, begin this now failure cycle. It says, thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Stop. Right there, eyes up here. This is a horrible verse. It's horrible. Look what it says at the top. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites. And it goes on. Stop right there. Keep looking up here. Just think with me. This is the promised land. These guys shouldn't be there. They should be there, the children of Israel, but they shouldn't be dwelling with these people. They let a remnant of all of these folks dwell with them. And now the tables have turned. And now the children of Israel who are prom—listen, listen promised success, promised fruit, Promised new life, promised victory, promised. Now they're the minority group living with these other bad guys. What in the world happened? What happened? And you might ask yourself this question in the promises of God. I gave my life to Jesus, I was forgiven, I was spirit filled, I was put in the new promised land. And all of a sudden, I find myself a year or a decade or 20 years into my life, and it feels like, it feels like I'm not really in charge. It feels like my life isn't really producing fruit. I'm not the one that's a thermostat deciding what happens to the temperature, but I'm more of a thermometer going up and down and all over the place based on what's happening around me. This is a horrible verse. Now, let me just expand on this a little more. This is the promised land. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I thought God was going to be for me. He is. When I find myself in my life dealing with sad circumstances or difficult days, Every single time, it's not because the Lord drifted and moved and broke his promises. It's because I drifted, I moved, I broke my promises. Every single time, I can't speak for you, I can only speak for myself. Compromise kills every single time. Well, let's just keep reading and see what they did next. It gets worse, guys. Buckle up. Look at verse 6. And they took their daughters, that's the bad guy's daughters, to be their wives. Whoops. And they gave their daughters to their sons. Oh, Whoops. And they serve their gods. This is just crazy. Man, that escalated quickly. They begin to then take these girls, these bad guys' daughters, and they begin to live with them. And they take their own daughters and give them to the sons of the Canaanites. And then they begin to just kind of, let's just see the order here, by the way. They're with them first. Then they begin to produce and reproduce with them. Then the final stage, we see that they're worshiping alongside of them, their gods with them. And you might be in one of those phases right now in your life where you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Did you know that that's, that's our mission right now? You and I who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. This is what the Bible teaches. Just like a boat is to be in the water, but the water's not to be in the boat, amen? Boats are in the water. If a boat's out of the water, it's a weird boat. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Boat in the water, good job. Water in the boat, uh-oh. So to you are supposed to be in the world right now. God has you here on purpose right now to, to test you, to test Him, to test others. It's, it's all a test. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Make sure that while you're in the world, though, the world doesn't subtly, slowly get into you, and you begin to make relationships with the world so intimately, like we see here. And ultimately, you say, No way, never would I ever worship in the way that the world worships. I and mean, when we read this condescendingly, at least I go like, what are they doing? Those guys are crazy. I can't believe they really do that. And yet we look around at our own lives and our own compromises and maybe you've done some things that are silly maybe recently or in your distant past. We're like, dude, I was totally carnal. I was totally worshiping the ways of this world, going after my flesh, going after my sin, going after all the things that the world says is good and God says is evil. Careful, we see this digression here. Again, most of us don't have a blowout problem, but it's a slow leak of compromise that will steal away your effectivity for the Lord, steal away your sharpness, steal away your purpose and mission. Satan's very patient. Have you realized this? Have you seen this in your own life? Man, he's cool as a cucumber. He's patient. He'll put a 20-year, 30-year, 40-year, 50-year plan on you. King David was in his mid-50s when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was an older man. He'd been through many successful battles, and then he found himself slowly, subtly compromising and slipping. Careful. This is a warning for us. Look at verse 7. It says, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. Stop right there, I was up here. This is how they were living. Now, we talked about these two opposing gods that were really in bed together, Baal and Asheroth. Baal was the god of intellect, the god of weather, the god of rain, the god of produce, and the god of provision. And anytime they had a problem at all, they would go and worship Baal. I got a problem here. I need help. And then Asheroth or Ashtaroth, was the god of sexuality and sensuality and pleasure and child raising or child killing. And if you worship either one of these gods, you would take your first baby and you would go to the priest and you would set it upon the hot arms of Moloch and you would kill your baby, burn them to death in that way. And there would be the smell of burning babies, horrible and godless. And this is what the children of Israel are now doing. I mentioned this last week. That sounds crazy that there would be a whole people group that is not looking to God for their resources, their intellect, or for their guidance, but they're looking to science and other things. (laughs) 3,500 years later, just a different name, different, different venue. Or, or that people would be taking their kids and killing them and being sexually perverse and redefining all kinds of genders and all that. That's, and it's the same demons running the same show 3,500 years later in a different capacity. It's a spiritual battle. And I'll tell you what, when I read this, I'm like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. If they were to read the crystal ball and see the year 2023, they'd say, that's crazy, you know? And I got no judgment to cast on anybody. I'm just here trying to fight my battle and trying to let the Lord work the sin that lies in me out of me. But we see that the children of Israel, verse 7, did evil. So what do they do? Verse 8 it says, Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he told or sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishatham. Kushan Rishatham. By the way, it's a great uh, name for your baby boy if you guys are pregnant, and expecting. Nobody's using that name right now for some reason. So if you're looking for some unique capacity, like this is my son, Kushan Rishatham. You know, he's the king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Kushan Rishatham eight years. Don't name your kid that, by the way. Kusham Rishatham. His name literally means double evil or double darkness. Okay, that's what this guy's a bad guy from Mesopotamia. I mean, Kusham Rishatham. This guy's like, he's a Marvel character, like on the wrong side. And he's bad. Notice he was in charge for eight years. I was just kind of thinking that through. It's kind of an interesting number, and all the kinds of numbers are different here. But it reminded me of two presidential terms back to back, you know, eight years. I don't know anything about that. Do you guys remember when Obama was president for eight years? Do you guys remember that? Me too. That's all I'm going to say. But, anyways, <laughs> notice here, notice here that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. So, what did God do? He raised up a political leader that's going to then oppress his people and lead the people into further carnality. I got a whole teaching on that. Okay. It's in Romans 13. I'm not going to go there. You guys can write it down in your notes. Paul says this to the church at Rome He said that God raises up rulers. Every ruler that rules anywhere was raised up by God's authority. Listen not cuz they're right or wrong or good or bad but because God's going to accomplish his purpose through that ruler whether they're good or bad so for people groups small nations small towns precincts and ordinances and governments and governors God says yeah I know all of it and I raise people up for purpose and they might be republicans and they might be democrats or they might be whatever nonpartisan they might be all the, it doesn't matter God says, I'm behind all that. Therefore, you as citizens submit to me and trust the process. You keep your eyes on me no matter what. Kushan Rishatham, though, is what God puts over these guys, double darkness. And can I just make this simple observation? That when you choose to live in the world and become part of the world and reproduce with the world and then worship their gods alongside of the world, you know what's going to happen in your life? Double darkness. Man, I'm not messing with you. Promise you every single time, double dark, double confusion, double depression, double anxiety, double fear, double failure. The number one prescribed drug in America is antidepressants. Number one drug. No matter what you're sick with, no matter what we have going on, the number one drug being prescribed is I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed. And I understand that from a clinical point of view. I understand the balance there and body, mind, spirit, and the complexities of our brain. I get it. But I'll tell you what, when I find myself in double darkness, double depression, double defeat, I can always find the paper trail for Luke Frichette personally back to some sort of subtle, low, leak, compromise in my own life every single time. Now, don't stay there too long because that's kind of depressing. hmm How you doing? Well, it's kind of like a double darkness day, you know. (laughs) Go to Starbucks. Can I get a Kushan with AM, please, you know. (laughs) Skim milk because I'm mad, you know. (laughs) Anyways, got to keep focus here. So what, what do they do? I want you guys to catch this. This might be the culmination of the teaching today for you. Eight years, they went under this oppression. I don't know how that sounds like a long time, maybe a little time. Look what they do. And when the children, verse 9, of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother. Stop right, their eyes up here. After eight long years of double darkness, of evil oppression, the children of Israel finally cried out to the Lord, and he heard their cries and raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, whose name means Lion of God. What was this crying out to the Lord like for them? Was it mild? Was it empathetic and sympathetic? And one of those prayers you say at the end of the day, like, hey, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We really need help. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Amen. (laughs) You guys have, you guys grew up with that prayer? I didn't either. What was that prayer like, though? It says they cried out to the Lord, and can I just encourage you, there comes a time in your life, in your double depression, your double darkness, your double anxiety, your double all these things that we find ourselves in, where you have to come to a point where you cry out to the Lord, where you go all in, and you fight for what is right, and you fight, and you claw, and you scratch for what is light. And you walk away from the things that are compromising your life, the abuse, the compromise, the lies, the negativity, the sin that lies within. But until you come to that place in your life where you're not crying out, when you're just kind of going through the motions, kind of just playing your cards, listening to one of those three lies, at least I'm not as bad as I used to be. At least I'm not as bad as I could be. At least I'm not as bad as they are. And God looks at you and says, what? I want more for you. I want so. You're in the promised land. I've given you all these things. I've anointed you. And I don't know what this looked like. I would say that if you fast forward to verse 15, it says the same thing. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and he raised up a deliverer. We're going to see this verse repeated throughout the 400-year period that the book of Judges spans, where they find themselves all messed up. And what do they do? This is, by the way, a test that will ultimately lead them to breaking, that will, listen, ultimately lead God to shining through as the Savior. Aren't you so glad that Jesus Christ is gracious, kind, merciful, and patient, that Jesus was the one who modeled and taught, hey, make sure and forgive people 70 times 7. Make sure and just keep forgiving them over and over and over again because that's the only way you're going to make it through this life. There is no limit. There is no law against the fruit of God's spirit of love. No matter how bad you've blown it, no matter how far off base you are right now, the Lord says, hey, if you cry out to me... I will hear you and I will heal you right now. And maybe God's got you in that place where you're wrestling with him and he's slowly winning and he wants you to cry out uncle. I don't know, I always say uncle, but he wants you to cry out. And he wants you to tap out and cry out to him. And he says, thank you for allowing me into your life. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Have you guys ever heard that verse before, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says it this way. If my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What do you do when there's double darkness in your life? Man, find your accountability partner. Find your spouse. Find your kids. Confess your sin and cry out to the Lord and let him heal you in your time of need. Because no temptation, no difficulty, no testing that you're finding yourself in is one that is designed to destroy you, but is instead designed to prepare you to walk closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't speak for you guys. I know my own life. I've been doing this long enough, walking with the Lord. Walk, 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 stumble, fall, get back up, cry out to him, find myself regenerated and restored and move forward again. Walk, walk, walk. And then I find myself compromising. I stumble and fall and cry out to the Lord. And the Lord says, Luke, don't ever stop crying out to me. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day to come to the altar and to receive forgiveness. Today's the day of restoration that the Lord might begin to work in you. Let's study this out. It says in verse nine again, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, he raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, now, we mentioned this guy's name a couple times in the book of Joshua and also in the book of Judges. You guys remember Othniel? Remember this guy? Why did God raise up this guy? I'll suggest to you a, few, a few, few reasons. Number one, because he was faithful in the little things, and now God is putting him over greater things. God had already called Othniel through Caleb. And Caleb said, hey, who wants to take this mountain? Whoever does, gets my daughter. And Othniel's standing out with the sword. He's like, I'll do it. Let's go. I get a wife out of the deal. I get some land out of the deal. He got the land. He got the bride. He also got the blessing of the second spring, the upper springs and the lower springs. This was a man of God that was already, listen, faithful with a little. And God says, I got more for you to do. And can I just encourage you? Luke 16, 10 says that if you're faithful in the little things, God will put you over bigger things. He really will. Maybe what you're going through right now is a big thing. But the Lord says, hey, you know what? There's even bigger things coming. Trust me, just do the next right thing. I was counseling with somebody this week or sometime, and that's really all I can tell people. Hey, 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 calm down, slow down. Let's pray, let's repent, let's cry out. And then start to live a lifestyle of simply doing the next right thing. Just simply do the next right thing. And I promise you, God will fight your battles. He'll go to bat for you. Not only was Othniel one who had already been faithful in the little things, but he was busy serving the Lord already. Can I just put this challenge out there? I seldom see in the scriptures or in real life, God choosing men and women who are doing nothing for anybody or for God at that moment. He usually chooses men and women who are kind of busy doing things. When he called Moses, he was tending his father-in-law's sheep. When he called David, David was tending his father's sheep. When he called Peter, he was casting nets. When he called James and John, they were mending nets. All of these guys were doing something already. And the Lord said, hey, why don't you come and follow me? Can I just encourage you? Let's be men and women of faithfulness right now in the lives that God's called us to. Whatever you're doing. And maybe you need to repent today because you haven't been faithful. You've been lazier. You've been disengaged. or You've been disenfranchised. Taste the day to repent. Say, let's go. Harden the paint, all in. And you might be on the rings or the ropes for a second going, What in the heck's going on? I want to point this out, though. Apparently, this is as far as we're going to get today. Here's what's going to happen next, though. I want you guys to see Othniel and a few more points that you're going to apply to your life. It says that he was Caleb's younger brother. Verse 9 ends. And then verse 10. This is the most important thing you're going to see all day. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and he went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cusham-Rithiam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands. And his hand prevailed over Cusham-Rithiam. So the land had rest for 40 years, and then Othniel, the son of Kenez, died. Not only was he faithful in the little things, let's do that. Not only was he busy and had been used previously, that, that's amazing, but he also led, which means that he was a judge, and he also went to war. Those are also important concepts we could preach on, but the most important thing about Othniel, and I'm going to actually invite Paul Jones to come up. He's going to lead us in a song. We're going to take the time to respond. I think it's important. It says here that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he rose up and he delivered Cushan Rithaiam. Did you know it doesn't really tell us how he did it though? Like the strategies and the resources and the battle plan. Listen, it doesn't tell us how it happened. And I'm going to say it very succinctly because it doesn't matter how it happened. You know what matters? It matters that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. If you don't have, listen, moms, dads, husbands, wives, single people, married people, if you don't have the spirit of the Lord living and dwelling and breathing and oozing out of you, listen, you have nothing. You might have resources. You might have strategies. You might have ideas. But if you don't have the spirit of the living God living in you, You have nothing. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus said to the boys as he sent them out, you're going to receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be witnesses. How are we going to do it? What's it going to be like? Don't ask those questions. The greater question is, Lord, would you anoint me? Would you fill me? Lord, would you be comfortable in my heart and in my house? It's not about the resources or the strategy or the experience or the wisdom or ideas or anything that you have right now. What you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Othniel, who had been faithful, who had been used before. He was busy, but the thing that matters most is that Holy Spirit on you. Now, let me explain this quickly. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has already come inside of you, filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, If you're born again, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But what the Holy Spirit wants, you have all of the Holy Spirit you'll ever get. It's all there. But what the Holy Spirit is, listen, testing you in right now. What the Holy Spirit is leading you through right now is that the Holy Spirit, listen, wants more of you. You have all of Him. You wrestle with Him right now. Does He really have all of you? Or are there areas in your life where you're, I just want to be a little bit worldly. I just want to be a little bit normal. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be a witness. And the Lord says, do you know where this goes? As you're traveling down the road of your Christian life. And your little air signal comes on your dashboard that your tires are low. And you're finding yourself, you're gassed gauge is going lower because it's not working right and everything's taking longer and it's sluggish on the turns the Lord says let's get filled give me all of you so here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do would you stand with me we're going to sing this song if you need to get your kids they're in Sunday school you can go get them right now but I want you who are tracking with the scriptures this morning you who are here this morning say yes Lord I want more of the Holy Spirit I don't want to compromise I don't want to come up short I don't want to run dry I need you I'm going to ask you right now to raise up your hands and just to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit once again right now just receive the filling of the Holy Spirit maybe actually what I'm going to ask you to do is reach out to your neighbor would you guys do this with me if you're not comfortable then then that's okay but reach out and just lay a hand on the person next to you in Jesus name The Bible says to lay hands on one another, stir each other up. Lord, I don't want to just go through the motions. Lord, I don't just want to pretend that I'm okay when I'm not okay. I don't want the double darkness to take over in any area of my life. I want your searchlight, Lord, to have access to my heart, my mind, my soul. And so, Lord, we lay hands on each other right now in Jesus' name. We believe these things. And if you believe these things, just say into your lips, I believe these things. I believe these things, Lord. I believe in you, Jesus. And I want that filling of the Holy Spirit even right now, Lord. So would you fill us, Holy Spirit? Would you fill us? And would you use us? Lord, take us like you did Othniel, this little lion of God who was used so powerfully. Would you anoint us, Lord, the little lions of God, that we'd be used for your glory, Lord. That we'd be used for this world for such a time as this. And I repent. Maybe you need to repent with me. Maybe there's stuff in your life you know needs to be repented of. You know needs to be relinquished. Needs to be brought to the surface. Lord, would you take these things. Do away with them that we might find ourselves, Lord, full of the Holy Spirit. Lead us, we pray. We pray. We're going to sing a song right now. You can take your hands off each other if that's uncomfortable for you. Or you can come forward to the altar. If you want prayer during the song, let's sing. I'm going to be down here praying for you right now. Let's close the service in worship together.